Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's time for another dose of BG and the coach. With you as always, I am the coach. And with me is my man, BG. BG, what's happening? Coach, great to hear that voice again. Summer is uh, is on the horizon. I'm looking forward to that. And as always, we'll we'll keep these podcasts coming even as the weather gets hotter. I, and there's plenty to talk about right now, even though we're hitting the lull in sports activity, unless you're a baseball enthusiast like yourself. But there are a couple things that we can talk about. And, and one of those was the, the ridiculousness of sports rules and BG are sports, which in essence, we should note, are children's games in action. Are they a little too complicated? Coach, I'm glad you asked that because I think the answer is a resounding yes. As you noted, we're talking about children's games. The rules that had to have been made up on the spot when they first came into existence. And I think we've now reached mm-hmm. a point where the major sports are so complicated that not only would it be hard for new fans to jump into it, not only is it hard for current fans to keep up with the rules changes, but as we have now started to see, it's hard for the players and the actual coaches and managers to follow along. We were talking pre-show about what happened with Tony La Russa, who's the manager of the White Sox, has a special place in my heart as the former manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. So I will speak no ill will toward Mr. TLR. But essentially, without getting into the complexities of the rule itself, because we talked about it pre-show and it went on for about four hours. But essentially, there's a new rule in baseball that allows a runner to start on second base in extra innings. Tony La Russa did not know that that runner did not have to be the pitcher. And he sent his pitcher out there to be the runner. I think a lot of people assumed that that was some strategic genius move on his part. And frankly, he probably should have played it off that way in his post-game presser. But when he was asked about it, they said, hey, Tony, you know, you don't have to send the pitcher out there. Why did you do that? And I think his answer was essentially something along the lines of, oh, I, I, I didn't know that. Thanks for clearing that up. So we have now hit the point where even managers can't follow along with the rules. And that's just the most recent example. <clears throat> I mean, we've got examples from football where half the QBs couldn't figure out what the overtime rules were for years and years. And we've now reached the point with foot. I mean, put baseball side with football. Every network has to have a rules analyst as part of the broadcast booth to explain to hardcore football fans what a catch is like that to me is just mind boggling. The consultant thing is insane, even more so than these other examples. You're right. They've got every network has a, I think it's typically a former referee uh, who realized that why should I put myself through that pressure cooker when I can make more money just hopping on Fox for five minutes every single game and explaining some arcane rule. And these rule books, I mean, their books is being conservative. Uh, This is like war and peace merges with (laughs) Talmudic texts. Um, and it's crazy. And they'll, they'll cite the rules and they'll actually talk like it's a law school class. They'll cite like, oh, you got to go to section 14, paragraph <laughs> four, clause seven, index 14, and so on and so forth. It's gotten to the point where no one's really sure what's in that rule book. And I think that's where these consultants, these ex-referees are thriving. They can come on and tell us anything. No one has a clue what the actual rules are. And, and like you said, they could just cite to, there's no chance I'm ever going to Google 
the NFL rule book. I, I couldn't tell you whether it's publicly available or not, but you're right. Nobody's ever going to call them out on it. And it's also crazy that if you were flipping the channels through different networks, I think you'd probably get three different opinions on a specific play as to what it is. And, and that, that shouldn't happen. We should have just clearly defined rules of what is and isn't allowed or what is or isn't a catch or whatever the situation may be. And I get, I, I should note here for programming purposes that in this specific instance, in the baseball example we were talking about, it's a new rule instituted because of COVID. And so I get that some rules are going to be new for that part, but it just seems like in every sport, we've talked about baseball and football, but it's, it's true for hockey and basketball too. The rules have just become so convoluted that it is, we're big sports fans. And I feel like I don't know half the time what the real rules are. No, for sure. I mean, listen, baseball at the end of the day, is you need to take the stick and hit the ball as far as you can (laughs) and hope that the other people out there don't catch the ball. And that's really it. But I I read the story about Tony LaRusso this past week. You and I then talked about it during our 17-hour prep session for this show, which is typical for BG and the coach. We're nothing if not consummate professionals. Very well prepared. I still don't understand what's going on. I don't understand. It's almost, I thought I was reading The Onion at one point uh, because they were, I think the rule they were saying is, oh, well, instead of having the normal person bad, who's ever next up in order, you just do the person before him. It was like I before E, except uh, G, C, D, and clause 17. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, (laughs) there's just an order of guys. Like, they should just actually stand in a line and go to bat, then there shouldn't be any of this confusion. Well, first of all, I should note for, for our millions of listeners out there, if you haven't had a chance to, to purchase Coach's new illustrated children's book, <laughs> Grab Stick, Hit Ball, uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's a wonderful read, a great bedtime story for, for your children out there. And I know Coach poured, poured a lot of his heart and soul. This into show that, is just to drive book. readership to that book. <laughs> as, it, as it should be. It's a pure This show is a shell tool. game. I'll tell you but, right now, we're episode three already giving that away. <laughs> I, I will note, I think the best, my favorite part of our pre-show prep discussion is I'm, I'm about as big of a baseball aficionado, hardcore fan as you'll find. And I was going through the mundane details of this rule to you. And then as I was reaching the conclusion, I paused and said, actually, I, I, don't, I don't know what the rule is. And that's after we both researched this topic. It's incredible. And, and for sports that in theory are entertainment, and as you said, children's games it just seems like we've made the entertainment a little too complicated and we won't even get into the topic or I guess we can if we want to chat about it the amount of stoppages now that are in place for all sports Mm -hmm. um, as we review things and I imagine now half those times it's just the ref standing around being like "I, I have no clue what the rule is here we should probably get New York on the phone and someone who's got that big rule book because God knows what the actual rule is I would pay any amount of money to be in one of the million number of referee huddles that take place or umpires <laughs> in baseball, referees in football, they must, it must be the most panic stricken little circle that they've got going on there. Like, do you have any idea what's going on? Did you read the clauses? Did you look at that textbook? They have absolutely no idea. And I'm convinced that what they actually do is just do a, a quick game of, uh, of rock, paper, scissors to determine who has to go out and tell 70,000 fans what the made-up call is. <laughs> and like you said, it's nice at least that they can just reference a totally made-up section and clause 
of a rule book when they're doing it and hope that all of our eyes glaze over before we get to the actual call on the field. It's gotten to the point. Can I tell you where this really crystallized for me is this past year with COVID, my wife has finally taken a real interest in football. And as part of that, I had to start explaining the game. Mrs. Coach, I had to explain the game to her. And it started off very smoothly. I explained the idea of, okay, there's three downs and you have three chances to get 10 yards. And then it repeats until you get into the end zone. That started off fine. And then I started layering on things. I was like, well, there's also a fourth down and um, they can either go for that fourth down or one of the guys kicks the ball down the field. And then I, I could see I started to lose her. And then we started getting into, well, the, the touchdown's actually six points. And then they bring in a guy to kick in an extra point. You know, I'll tell you where I, I think it really peaked. I got to the, the pinnacle of absurdity is when I leaned forward and keep in mind the coach, I'm a grown man. I leaned forward in my seat and in all seriousness said, okay, okay, we got to focus up here. The team's in the red zone. And my wife's like, what is the red zone? I was like, what do you mean with the red zone? It's the, the 20 yards right before you get to the end zone. It's the red zone. And I heard what I was saying. And I will tell you, deep shame settled over me. Deep shame. What are we talking about here? Well, and that gets to the heart of it. If you want to introduce new fans to this, you think it starts out simple enough. Because I, like you said, if I were explaining the game to someone, I would essentially try and start with, well, that guy is going to hand the ball to that guy through his legs. <laughs> it's already getting tough. He's either going to throw it or give it to someone to run. And essentially, they just want to go march down the field till they get to that different painted part of the end of the field. <laughs> and you could start with that. But then within 30 seconds, someone's going to get called for holding. And... Mrs. Coach is going to say, well, what did he do wrong? Oh, he held that player. Well, how, how else is he going to stop him from getting there? And you you described a punt. Then someone's going to have a fair catch. Now you got to get into the fair catch rules. Well, can you hit him? Can you not hit him? What if he doesn't signal properly? What if he does signal properly? Enjoy explaining what the gunner's role on the punt team is. The whole, I mean, it just, <laughs> it, we it just falls apart quickly. Yeah, it's it's just absurd. And And like you said, I think what it boils down to is we've taken entertaining children's games and made them incredibly complicated and maybe the whole purpose of it gets to your original point coach of we've now created this nice cottage industry of consultants who can just spew whatever they want on broadcasts and now they've got these amazingly well-paid gigs yeah and it's you said it before too it's changing right it evolves every single year to the point where even when you think you've got it down it's completely different like you could take especially someone from 10, 20 years ago, who even if they played the game or a former player and somehow isolated them from ever watching a game for the past 20 years and then had them watch a game today, they'd be terribly confused, <laughs> starting with, wait, what do you mean you can't hit a guy? You can't tackle a guy? Yeah, yeah. it's not exactly the football of yesteryear. I don't understand this crown of the helmet thing you speak of. <laughs> Maybe that's because of my 85 concussions from those hits, but... Still Maybe the best with uh, with Mrs. Coach is explaining that part is where you can hit a quarterback. I had to. I think I almost did a diagram. I got the the <laughs> like what's that old uh, board game operation? There we go. <laughs> I got the operation guy out and basically showed her on there. I was like, okay, you basically can't hit above the neck and below the clavicle. So there's about 
two millimeters of contact you can make right there. But also if it's within those two millimeters, but it's too hard, you're kicked out of the game and you're never allowed to play again. You're done. You're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think this is a little bit off topic, but my favorite part also is as complicated as we've, we've gotten all of these sports to, we're still so low tech in some instances. And the two examples I'm thinking of for both yes. football and baseball we have now taken football to this crazy degree of complication. We talk about the red zone. We've got our first down marker with the yellow line. And yet we've still got that chain gang of three or four people <laughs> who literally just take what essentially amounts to a 10 yard ruler and run up and down the field all the time. And that's how we mark officially what a first down is. And I think in baseball, and I'm actually a fan of this, so I hope it doesn't change, but it's phenomenal that we've taken the game to such a complicated place and have all this high tech. And if I were to explain the strike zone to Mrs. Coach, I'd have to say, well, it's typically, uh, you know, the the midsection kind of where the elbow is to the knees, but also it's really whatever the ump wants it to be because he actually makes the final decision. And if you argue, you're thrown out of the game. So uh, here's kind of what it is, but also it's up to this one dude and nobody gets to say anything else. Yeah, it's basically, if I were explaining the game to her, I would say, there's the pitcher, all right? There at home plate is the batter. And then behind him is the catcher, and behind him is the all-powerful dictator. <laughs> and if you say one word against him, you're banned from the game. <laughs> it's all you're right because it's also the most pivotal parts of the game, like calling a strike and determining what a strike is, and even your football example, which makes me laugh to no end. <laughs> I, I and if you haven't seen this, I encourage you to. Undoubtedly, there'll be millions of YouTube clips. Of, of the chain gang using this 10-yard chain of links that they bring out. And it is sometimes by the length of a single link that winners or losers can be determined. <laughs> we are in a day and age now where we can fly people all over the solar system, yet we're still using this thing to determine winners and losers in football. If if one end of that chain gang sneezes and accidentally moves forward an inch, that may change the outcome of an NFL game, potentially a playoff game. Do you think they do it just purely for drama? It has to be purely for drama, right? Because in fairness, in defense of the chain links, there's kind of nothing more exciting than when they <laughs> take it out and you have to unfurl it, right? It's really an unfurling of the links and you just have to see like, oh, maybe one of them is hooked on another. And if they just give it an extra yank, We'll see if we've got enough for a first down. That's the only reason that could explain this. That's true. And when it finally hits that point where it won't stretch anymore and you see whether it lines up with the tip of the football or not, you're right. That is a pretty drama-filled moment. And if nothing else, it just makes me laugh that we still have these people doing it. I it, uh, One other side point on this before we, I, we should actually dedicate an entire show just to the <laughs> chain links. There are guys who hold... I don't think it's refs. I think there are just guys who hold that for the refs whenever they need that. That's the job I want. Sign me up for the guy who stands on the sideline holding the chain links, just waiting for the refs to call me over to bring it out onto the field. Uh, I'm not joking, Coach. Sports Illustrated did a feature on chain gang members and who they are and the drama with which they spoke of, oh man, once we're actually called onto the field and we've got to unfurl these chains, whew, <laughs> there's no kind of tension I live for other than that. That's essentially like shooting cone cage straight into your veins. That's that's our time to shine. 
So I think you'd love being a part of that chain game coach. We know that you can handle the pressure. You've coached plenty of, of championship teams. I, I think you'd love that. And we do need to move on, but one other final point I need to make on this subject, and then we'll devote an entire podcast to it. Not only is there a chain gang, but there is a member. I don't know if, if many people know this. There's a member on, on the sidelines of every football game who just has a giant orange glove. And when there's a TV timeout, he just raises his hand up with the orange glove. And when the TV timeout's over, he puts it down. And that's how we've continued to establish when play should resume or not. Some dude with a giant orange hand is our arbiter of when play goes on or not. This is how you know you've moved on from your childhood dreams. Our childhood dreams were about being the quarterback and winning the Super Bowl. (laughs) Now, as we're talking, my dream jobs are that of holding the chain links and being the guy with the orange glove. Either of those would be an absolute utopia for me. Oh, I spent an hour and a half in the gym every night just holding my hand up <laughs> just to, get... to, to build stamina up because like you said, that's the new, that's the dream. That's the dream. Well, oh, Coach, man. speaking of evolution in sports, I think there is one other topic we want to get to for this podcast. And we have had an evolution in the way that we think about gambling in sports. Yeah, I really recently saw a new story that blew my mind and I think has opened a huge loophole into gambling. So going back to the Super Bowl, you may remember, BG, there was actually a streaker on the field near the tail end of the game. The game was no longer in doubt. Tampa Bay was was on their way to beating Kansas City um, by a long shot. A guy jumps onto the field. I think he was wearing something like a pink sash. And they never, TV networks won't show the streakers. They stopped doing that a long time ago for the obvious reason of not wanting to promote other people doing it or being encouraged to. And so this guy ran on the field, but it was for a while because they have to break the cameras away and they typically awkwardly just bring in the commentators again (laughs) to talk about the guy who's running on the field that we're not allowed to see. So anyway, the main point here is this guy runs across the field as is typical, like gets arrested, probably spends a night in jail, and then that's that. But it turns out that this guy also, before the Super Bowl, placed a bet on an online betting site. He put down $50,000 on an available bet that was exactly that, that a streaker would crash the field, or that, plain and simple, that anyone would run onto the field. That $50,000 wager, BG, is worth 374k (laughs) and that doesn't even take into account i think let me know if i'm wrong coach that he even had some friends also place smaller bets on on the same the same odds that someone would streak onto the field knowing that he was going to be be doing this what a genius move by this guy now granted he's he's going to go to jail for for you know a couple hours maybe the night he's gonna have to post bail but like you said he put up fifty thousand, and he could have taken home 300 over three hundred and seventy thousand for okay let's say five hours in jail and two thousand dollars of bail money and like you said coach what a world of possibility this opens up now granted we should note that he uh did not collect on his ticket because he's an idiot and he talked about this grand plan to media stations and then obviously got out that he had corrupted yeah, the system. He had totally messed it up. And here's the other beauty of this plot because the TV cameras cut away. Listen, if it's you or me, 
we have a reputation to uphold here at BG and the coach. Can't be caught on national TV streaking across the field. But because the cameras cut away, it's not even like this guy is in danger of <laughs> his friends, family, and coworkers saying like, oh, wait, that's that's Ted in accounting. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we're going to have a weird meeting on Monday when he gets back. But his downfall was exactly that, Beachy. His hubris of he wouldn't shut up about it. He told everyone that he put a bet on it. This is like the Ocean Eleven movie where they put in all that thought into this genius plan. And then at the tail end, they're in the casino right before they take the money. And they're like, oh, we're about to take the money. This yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. And I think he ruined it for everyone because now I imagine some of these offshore casinos and, and bookies, if you will, are going to have to be on the lookout for this kind of thing. But if he had just kept his mouth shut, the possibilities would have been endless for, for what bets people could make and then just force them into reality. I, I do like your point that Ted from accounting wouldn't have to worry about getting caught because it's never shown. I also think Ted from accounting was probably quitting his job the next day if he had actually <laughs> been able to collect, if he just kept his mouth shut. But it's a great point too. If, if the camera's not even going to catch it, you're right. We've got morality clauses. So we, we trigger those in our contracts and it'd be Obviously. a disaster. But you're right. It's such little downside. I mean, I guess he didn't get to see the end of the Super Bowl, but it was it certainly wasn't in doubt at that point. Um, I think he waited. See, I think <laughs> even more of a genius. He waited until the result was no longer in doubt, and then he executed the bet. Yeah, and really just perfect execution right up until he decided to run his mouth. But I do wonder if this is going to inspire others who are going to try and do the same. Yeah, so isn't there a huge opportunity? Explain this to me. I feel like there's so much potential for these loopholes here. Uh, that we, you know, they just had the NFL draft, and I was reading there is a huge amount of money that was moved on bets uh, based on people trying to forecast who would be drafted in which spot. And I'm just thinking, I mean, in this draft, the number three pick was the big mystery pick for the 49ers, and they were drafting a quarterback. No one knew which quarterback. If you are the head coach or general manager of the 49ers, who were ostensibly the only two people who actually knew the pick all the way up until the pick was announced, maybe you're somewhat tempted to send some people out on your behalf and place some bets on that guy. Why not? I mean, like you said, it's especially in this case where everybody thought it was going to be one guy, Mac Jones. It ends up being someone else, Trey Lance. And if you're one of two people who knows that, and you know that casinos are taking odds on these kind of things. Yeah, you as the coach can't do it. But like you said, get five buddies who are going to go make that bet. You're going to make a, a killing on it. It makes me wonder if I can put on my tinfoil conspiracy hat for a second, <laughs> coach. You know, there's a big question of why the Niners were being so secretive about their pick, what they really Ooh. had to gain. Because everyone knew who the first two picks were going to be. They certainly weren't going to trade out of the three spot. Mm -hmm. So everybody was wondering, why are they being so secretive? Maybe it's because... You know, three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. They knew if they were going to be putting in these bets, had to keep a tight lift, had to draw up the mystery. I'm just saying. I feel like this is the last podcast of BG and the Coach <laughs> because the NFL is going to eviscerate us. Join us next week on BG and the Coach when we talk about knitting, the only topic that we're allowed to talk about moving forward. Uh, yeah, that's going to be our downfall for sure. But at least we went on a blaze of glory uncovering what for yeah. sure was a true conspiracy biggest story to hit the sports world in decades i think so i hear what you're saying though about 
maybe like, why would a coach do that when that's their entire livelihood? What about someone like the national anthem singer, though, where one of the most famous and popular prop bets for Super Bowls is an over-under on the duration of the national anthem? If I'm the one singing it, <laughs> there's just a little bit of a temptation to, and listen, we're talking about a matter of seconds here. I think proving anything would be very difficult. Um, welcome to the Criminal Mind Show with BG and the Coach. <laughs> I think we need to do a spinoff of like CSI BG and the Coach, where <laughs> we just dissect the perfect betting crimes for each sport. I didn't even think, Coach, about the national anthem aspect of this, but that's genius. You're right. What you could, you know, we're talking about Super Bowl. Fine, that's a big one, and, and maybe they don't take prop bets like that on on smaller games, but. You know, it's it's Joe Everyman half the time who's doing the national anthem for for some of the non Super Bowl type games. There's a there's a lot of leeway you could do with that. I I could practice enough to get something down to an exact yeah. time. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, there, we've either uncovered a huge loophole and this is <laughs> definitely happening, or we're idiots and not taking into account the fact that these people are already well compensated and only have something to lose. With that being said, though, I'm pretty confident it's the former. So am I. It's and although all of our listeners probably assume it's number two with good reason, I do think it's the former. And coach, let me tell you, if I don't show up for our next podcast, <laughs> you know what happened to me. It's dangerous uncovering the, the truth out there. The two truth seekers. We need to <laughs> rebrand this entire show. And I don't want to give away any secrets, but clearly Vegas is taking prop bets on what the first word of our next podcast episode is going to be. It's probably welcome. Just throwing out some <laughs> tips to our listeners. That's when we'll officially make it is when this show gets big enough that we can have a prop bet and then do exactly what we're talking about here. Oh, they've got yeah. a prop bet for what the first word is. Oh, that's of no interest to us. I don't <laughs> see how that could be financially beneficial. Although I guess we've already uh, not followed our number one rule of just don't talk about it. So I guess we've yeah. already put that in the bag, but... Yeah, that lesson learned kind of went right over our head. <laughs> I totally get now why that guy couldn't stop running his mouth. I get it. I get it. It's hard. Let's go right back to ripping on that idiot. Plan. What a moron. <laughs> it's a pretty easy scheme. Just just keep your mouth shut. You can have <laughs> almost half a million dollars if you just... Maybe when the interviewer was like, hey, anything more to this streaking story than you just streaking? All you had to be was like, nope, I'm just a weirdo. And you'd be rich. Just say I'm a weirdo. Or no comment. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking Easy. about. The whole streaking thing was taken out of context. Let me just tell you, totally <laughs> taken out of context. If this guy had done it right, right now in BG and the coach, he would have been our taken out of context champion of the week and would have been almost 400K richer. Yeah, we we may need to get our producer to book him as a guest on a future show because I would like to to really drill down on what his thinking was in, in giving these interviews. So... So close. So would America. Let's make it happen. Well, you heard it here first. At some point in the future, we'll be interviewing the idiot who could have had almost half a million dollars. <laughs> All right, BG. I think that's a wrap for this week. Coach, it was wonderful. Always a pleasure talking to you. If this short podcast wasn't enough for you, if you want more BG and the Coach content, if this was just a, a wedding of the appetite for you, you can find all of our episodes and all future episodes wherever you download your favorite podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at BG and the coach that's BG A N D the coach and on all your favorite social media platforms. Good night, everyone. And enjoy a cold scoop of the grinders.